Welcome back to the Light Up Your Life podcast with your host, Samantha and Alexa. Today, we have an amazing guest. We're so ecstatic. Jay DeHun is joining us. He is a communications expert. He's a neuroperformance advisor and CEO of NextGen Properties. With expertise in hypnotherapy and neuroperformance, he assists influencers, speakers, coaches, and entrepreneurs in leveraging their voices and presence for effective business marketing. Having invested millions in personal development, he has trained under notable mentors such as Tony Robbins, Roger Love, Tim Story, and Richard Dolan. Jay's mission is to empower individuals to unleash their true potential. Jay is dedicated to inspiring and supporting next generation of leaders. He is currently establishing the Next Gen Academy to provide guidance and mentorship to today's youth, empowering them to become leaders of tomorrow. Additionally, Jay has a decade of experience as a commercial real estate developer and investor. So we're so happy to have you as one of our guests. Welcome. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate that. Yeah, we're so ecstatic to have you as well. So that was a crazy um, bio. We love that. Thank you for being on the show. We'll jump right into the question. So how did your training in hypnotherapy and neuroperformance contribute to the work in helping influence speakers and coaches and entrepreneurs leverage their voice for effective business marketing? Wow, what a powerful question to open it up with. I know. And, you know, before I even preset that answer, because hypnotherapy, yes, is is quite the backbone of the teachings, the knowledge, the expertise that it comes. But you know, even again, I, I love the bio. You know, my team helps me really construct these bios together, and hearing it is kind of sometimes a little different than than being able to actually even create it. And when people ask me simply, Jay, what do you do? Like among all the different things, the real estate and the this and this, most people are just confused. They're just like, Jay, I just don't understand what you do. So what do you do? And yeah. I'll say, I'm a communications expert. I help you master the way that you think, speak, and connect. Simple. Mm-hmm. So if you want to think stronger, if you want to speak better, and you really want to connect with more people out there, then that's what I can help you do. That's what I feel that the world should be revolved around is the value that we provide one another. And the way you do that, of course, is the coaching model. It's different things that we're, we're starting to see on, on you know, social media. But ultimately, it's just being able to help people connect. Because even how we're on this podcast right now, I appreciate the fact that you have me on here, just being able to deliver some value to the audience. And I, you know, by the end of it, that's my aim is to truly just deliver value. So getting to your question now, specifically on hypnotherapy, though. This is where it gets interesting because hypnotherapy, even the concept of hypnosis itself, we look at hypnosis and we say, okay, you know, somebody's going to make me cluck like a chicken and raise my hand and do weird things because stage hypnosis has, you know, really ruined the name, the branding, the, the, the face value of what hypnosis actually is. But when we actually take into consideration that we are being hypnotized every single day, We are being hypnotized by the commercials we watch, the reels that we keep swiping up on, and even the persuasive conversations when you purchase a product, when you get sold or close a deal. So when you start to understand hypnosis and how it can actually affect and help other humans really take it to that next level, take their own life to the next level, is being able to get, you know, I focus on coaches, mentors, speakers, you know, really in the realm of already established speakers. And why I do that specifically is because the hypnotherapy that they actually need is one simple thing. They're very good. Public speakers are very good to project their volume and their actual voice to the world, but they're not as great as talking to themselves. You see, inside chatter is what I really can classify as neuroperformance. Mm-hmm. 
self-chatter, the stuff that you actually are dealing with every single second. So I always talk about 450 words per minute your brain can perceive. And only at 150, maybe even if I just consistently stop, don't take any breaks in this, I could probably get out about 180, maybe 200 words per minute. So that means still while I'm talking right now, there's still 200, 250 words per minute that are going through my brain trying to perceive how y'all are reacting, what I'm going to say next, how I'm feeling right now, and still trying to actually articulate my language at the same time. So with hypnotherapy, it's really being able to just slow the mind down, to be able to actually take the time to organize your thoughts. I think that is the key to hypnosis that I've done with a lot of my clients is that a lot of clients will come to me and they'll say, hey, Jay, like, help me out with business and I want to scale here. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's awesome. We can do that. The experience is there. Of course, we can, we can scale. We can raise capital. We can do what you want to do. But ultimately, it comes down to just working with them one-on-one -on -one to really just establish how are you communicating to yourself? How so are you connecting to yourself? Absolutely. What is one strategy you would teach people that you're coaching to be able to slow their mind down and to activate their subconscious mind to be able to, you know, deliver their best performance? Well, the biggest thing is like, let's start with this. 55% is body language. So I'm glad that we're on video here because we can see one another, right? 38% now is the nonverbals. It's the tonality. It's the pitch. It's the volume. It's the duration in the actual speech. And only 7% is just the words. See, what happens with us humans is that we get so caught up in the words all the time, whether you're public speaking or speaking to yourself in your own mind. Regardless, we get caught up in that mindset of just focusing on, am I saying it right? What am I saying? How am I saying? So the first thing I always teach my clients, first and foremost, is that you'll never be able to hear yourself and you'll never be able to see yourself. Right. So any self-judgment that you actually have makes, it doesn't even make sense. Because you'll only see a reflection in a mirror of yourself. The way that y'all see me in person will never be the way that I see myself. And on a vocal side, you know, you ever recorded yourself and you're like, was that actually me? And of course, you know, y'all hear it all the time. Like, is that actually me on that phone right now? Is that, is that, is that how I sound like? It's because all our, our ears are doing is just the bone conductors inside of our face that are actually vibrating. So the way that I hear my voice is not the way that you hear my voice. Right. So me having any self-judgment on myself is irrelevant. Just go for it. You know, Grant Cardone always says, he says, you know, he talked about social media. He's like, you know, just post it. Nobody will see it. And that was, <laughs> that, that was, that was incredible because just, just do it. Just say it. And you know, overthinking is a huge part of it, right? Everybody kind of overthinks it and um, just are really worried about the way that they're going to be perceived and mm -hmm. overthinking is a huge part of it. Absolutely. And it creates inaction, right? So if you just want to, like you, you're changing the world and you're just you keep putting out this content and you're not even thinking about, I mean, you probably are very conscious of what you're posting because of your brands, but you, you don't care about what other people think. And I think that's the biggest thing too, is learning that strategy and overcoming that. And, and, and you nailed it right there, Samantha. I'll tell you this now, it comes down to one word. You know, Gary Brecka talks about this all the time. The most powerful frequency, we thought it was love. We thought love was the most powerful frequency, but it's actually authenticity. So what's happening now, and even just, you know, media side of things and just who we are as people is the more authentic that you actually are, the more people are now starting to sip out the bullshit, mind my language. You know what I mean? The, the, everyone's selling something, everyone's selling something, you know, but to be able to actually truly find your authenticity. And that's kind of the reason why I really designed my program, Uncage Your Roar, for that. You know, I feel that we're lions and lionesses. We have roars to get out there. 
we have a message and a story to share, but we don't really have the teachings or the trainings to actually get it out there. We try to do it with business and we try to become entrepreneurs and face value leaders and speakers. But do we really know what our message is to the world? You know, people talk about purpose and why all the time, your why. That's awesome to know, but how are you living that? How are you believing that? And how are you speaking now that into existence for the rest of the world to actually get value from it? Yeah, that's a great point you made. And so kind of switching gears, you did mention that you've been training under notable mentors. I know you've worked closely with Tony Robbins, Tim Story, and Richard Dolan. So how have these experiences shaped your approach to empowering individuals in your coaching programs, or I know one-on-one -on -one coaching, or even your program on Cage Your Roar? Look, I remember, I think I was about 22 years old. And I was at this real estate conference is up in Canada. It's one of the largest real estate events that happens it's called real estate investment network. And I was there and I get in, you know, it's a pretty exclusive room, you know, got a, a young guy trying to pay a little bit to kind of get into the right rooms type of situation. And I'm in there and all of a sudden I see this speaker on stage and he comes out and just his articulation, the power, the presence, the poise of the way this man is just owning that stage. I'm let, let alone I'm fearful of public speaking at the time like I am I'm, I'm the guy that would go to conferences and I know it's hard to believe because you know me now as as you know me now but you know I would be the, the guy as soon as oh, the conference is over I would run out of the room I didn't want to talk to anybody I was just there to write notes educate and keep moving forward but I saw this man and as he walked on the stage and he had this just grace with him I was like you know one day one day I'm going to speak like that on stage now I didn't know at that time that he was going to be my mentor my coach for eight years now, Richard Dolan. And Richie over the years has been such an impactful, impactful coach because he's taught me long-term. He taught me from a mentorship perspective, not a coach. See the difference between the, the two. I always talk about mentorship versus coaching. Coaching is being able to pay somebody for a measurable result. Mentorship is somebody that just wants to pour everything they have into you because they believe in you. That's the difference. difference. Yeah. And when Richie was doing mentorship with me, yes, I paid to play. Yes, we did some programs. Yes, we did some investment deals together and kind of got that actual, the bond built. But it came down to the small teachings. And the one thing that I want to just give you all listeners, as well as you, is the three keepers that he taught me. Three yeah. keepers of judgment, ego, and fear. And I know you remember that. Yeah. That's incredible, right? Because these three keepers, these three keepers are what stops us, stops us from succeeding, stops us from whatever we find success or happiness, whatever picture that is that you draw for yourself, judgment of others, the ego within yourself, and the fear of the unknown. So I, mm -hmm. Go on. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So I actually didn't know that you were completely terrified of public speaking. And mm -hmm. this has been a huge battle for myself. So I just assumed this is like a natural gift for you. And um, what I guess my question would be, what is like the mental big shift that you had that made you really, you know, be able to get up on stage and have these, you know, great speeches and this great, you know, public speaking skill? I think that's where it comes down to those low points in life the points that you don't really want to talk about, but the points that actually shape you to be the person that you are. Now, I remember being 17 years old in a jail cell, looking down, going like, Oof, what am I going to do with my life? But what I realized 21 years old, 22 years old, at four or five years after that was when I saw Richie on stage, it made me realize, look, I have a story. I have a message. 
I was in that time being a 17 year old kid. Yeah, I had a little bit of money on hand because my dad had a successful business, but I was getting involved with the wrong people. I was that classic teenager, 16, 17 year old that was just, you know, drinking and partying and doing that, getting myself in jail, <laughs> literally. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't either. <laughs> and, and, and from just from that learning lesson, I, said, I thought to myself, look, I have a message and a story to share to the world because if I can just help one other teenager, one other person, you know, my coach, one of my coaches that I hired, he was an incredible, Dr. Rob Kelly, incredible. He said to me, because I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate for working with teenagers. I kind of adopted one, to be honest. He just turned 18 two days ago. So <laughs> he, he jumped out of a plane. That, that was an 18-year-old. So dad moment right there. But Dr. Rob Kelly taught me one thing. He said, look, Jay, you want to get out there. You want to public speak more. You want to do this. You want to get out there. I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's like, okay, so everyone talks about this why and purpose. He's like, I want to tell you right now, point blank. Jay, there's 1.4 billion teenagers out there that are waiting for you to get your shit together. Wow. And as soon as he looked at me point blank and said that to me, I was like, <laughs> okay, you know what? The goal, it was not a goal now. It's not just achievement now. It's like, like I got chills down my back just saying that because that's the impact that I want to create now. That's those, those people that are out there, those young kids that are out there that are making those decisions and not knowing what to do. That's why I built the academy. The academy is all built behind the, the teachings of business technology, but psychology. So, so it's not even, yeah, it's not even about you. It's just serving and making that impact when you, you know, kind of switch your perspective. That's incredible. He saw that in you before you saw it in yourself. Wow. And that's the thing. Once we start to really focus on that and we start to look at those judgment, ego, and fear, those keepers don't really make sense logically if you're in a place to serve. Exactly. What difference does it make for somebody to judge me? What difference does it make to say that I'm better than somebody else? Ego. Mm -hmm. And the fear. Fear is the biggest one. Fear is the most scariest one. I'll tell you right now because it's scary. It's fear. It makes sense, right? But if I told you right now that there's only two actual fears subconsciously in our brain, you look at the subconscious mind, there's only two things that will actually wake you from delta-like state. Your REM sleep between five to nine hertz of brain frequency will be the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Those are, the only, those are the only two fears. Everything else is created in your own mind. Everything. Everything is the story you tell yourself every day. Wow. So what would you say is how do you what would you recommend, I guess, is how do people get outside of their head or how do they change, you know, their psychology or what they say to themselves? Because that is so important, right? It's critical what you say to each other. And we spend the most amount of time with ourselves. So it's right. so critical, you know, what, how we speak of our, our own bodies and how we're perceived. How would you say you change that? The number one thing is the commitment, the commitment you have to your own word. Now, everyone wakes up and they have these morning routines. I'm a, I wake up at 326 every single morning. And actually now I'm beating it. I'm like 255 is like I'm automatically programmed. So by three in the morning, I'm up by four, five. I've already gone by 9 a.m. I've already accomplished more than I can for the rest of the day. What I did there, though, was the commitment to myself. You see, out, out beating a public speaking fear or a fear of anything really comes down to the programming. That's why we talk from neuro-linguistic programming the neuro, the mind, the language that we talk, and then the programming, how to download the information on that side. So when you start to commit more to your actual word for just simple things, test yourself out and make your bed every single day. Like the little things that actually, you know, make the biggest differences. You know, I gave an assignment to my lines then. I do it this weekly call for, for, for brothers. And 
I was like, brush your teeth with your other hand tomorrow morning. They, they messaged me. They're like, yo, that was the craziest experience of my life. It was a commitment. Just make a commitment and follow through with it. More that you commit to yourself, the more that you actually build confidence within yourself. We don't realize that. We were like, oh no, I can give the best advice to everybody else, but I don't take it myself. Well, you just defeated the whole purpose of leadership. <laughs> so when you can stay disciplined on that and the commitment, that's where it changes. So for you, just stick to some small commitments to build confidence. That confidence then will lead you to be like, okay, you know what? Now I'm kind of like, I'm feeling the dopamine hits now already in the morning. Now it's like, you know what? I'm going to make a story post. I'm just going to share what I'm feeling today. I want to share, the, you know, just some, some positive energy for people. And then that starts to chain effect. And then again, you know, you kind of forward through. Agreed. Yeah, that. And um, Ed Milet talks a lot about that too, keeping your promises you make to yourself that will build confidence, just like you were saying, and that commitment and that dedication to you. Because if you can't believe you, and if you can't wake up for yourself and commit to the things you say you're going to do, no one else is going to believe you. So you're right. It really does start from within. I love that. And so I want to know, you know, how you incorporate the concept of lion or lioness into your coaching and teachings. And then what qualities do you believe everyone possesses that makes them capable of achieving their greatness? I love this lion versus sheep thing. You know, it just, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. And, and how that really came to me, like my middle name is Singh. Right. And sing in the in the Punjabi and Indian culture, you know, we're all given the same middle name. So for men, it's sing. And for women, it's core. And that means lion and lioness. <laughs> so, that, yeah, that, that incredible learning, the learning lesson on Punjabi and the, the Indian culture there. And that was always something that I held true to myself. But more importantly, it was they roar. They roar. Why do they roar? And then I realized one thing. Then I got actually this is, this is where I'm going to get a little funny with y'all. I realized that the men actually in the relationship don't even do much. They just, he, the male lion goes out and he just, he just talks shit. <laughs> Mind my language, but he just, he just roars. He scares the whole kingdom, make sure nobody comes around. But the woman is the one that's going out making, killing the animals and making sure that the babies are fed. Yeah. So the dynamic of lions and the pride, and you know, of course, Lion King being my favorite Disney movie also helps as well too, is looking at their culture and looking at the way that they actually are. A lion or a lioness is someone that actually wants to roar. They're not held by other animals in the kingdom. They're not scared. They don't have no fear. They're maximizing their influence. They're getting out there. You know, they're showing up. They're showing up, as GC would say. And that really came to me and going, okay, well, I think we're all lions and lionesses. And we start to just disguise ourselves as sheep. Because that's what we all want, right? We all want freedom. We all want success. We want happiness. We want these amazing things. But if you could truly roar, if you could get your message and your story out there to the world, even what you're doing here on the podcast, being able to interview incredible people, and I, I'm so blessed and fortunate that you have me on today, but interviewing people and getting stories and sharing with the audience more and more value, that's how you roar. So the lion and the lioness has always been that staple point. But now with that being transitioned to uncage your roar, that's where I had to create the methodology behind the mindset. You see, uncage your roar. The roar is what we just talked about, getting your story and your message out. But the uncage part is the untangible result. The one that's the hardest to sell people on coaching calls because they're like, uh, what am I actually getting? It's like, I'm going to change your life. In 30 days, your entire life is going to completely change. How do I sell you that? I don't know how to sell you that. 
right? But yeah, the, I was just going to say uncaged too. It's unlearning everything we've been conditioned to think to relearn everything that is going to make you successful. So absolutely, I love that because uncaging is really digging deep. It's it's doing the personal work. It's doing the self assessments. It's being able to actually do the self reflections. When I do self reflection at the end of the end of my nights, I'm sitting there on my notebook and I and I and I bring those thoughts to my head. Okay, where was I? What were my emotional tracks? Where did I go high? Where did I go low? Interesting. Okay, feedback. See, that's uncaging. Uncaging is doing the work. Roaring is the fun part where you get to get on stage and do all, you know, actually just share your story and have people listen and say, wow, that's incredible. And that now transitioned into the final part that I'll say, the roar methodology. See, over the years of being able to work with the Tony Robbins of the world and the Richard Dolans and the Grant Cardones, John Maxwells, and all these amazing, incredible leaders in this world, is what I did is I started to package that together on a ROAR methodology, R-O-A-R. So if we want to roar, what are the steps to roaring? If you want to uncage your roar, here, I'll give it to you right here. Step one is the R, reading people's body language and emotions. We understand body language is 93% of communication. So it's good to start to analyze and understand. Not like people watching, because we love to do that. Don't get me wrong. I love people watching myself at the bars and restaurants but more so on actually looking at signs and signals that teach you certain things about how somebody's feeling, being empathic, intuitive, however you want to label it. Reading people's body language and energy is step one, because from there, you start to then understand how you're reacting to the world. First piece of your own stuff. Second one, organizing. O represents organizing your thoughts and emotions. Now, I talk about emotional control all the time and emotional resilience that you can build as a human being. And that's where David Goggins is a big, big uh, believer of that as well, too, in terms of just that mindset of when those adversities hit. I always say seven common emotions that humans feel. One is positive. Joy is the only positive emotion we feel. We have fear, sadness, contempt, disgust, surprise, and anger. So we have six to one ratio. We're going to deal with a lot of stuff throughout the day. <laughs> and that's a, it's a pretty hard ratio to fight. So organizing your thoughts, organizing your emotions is key. The A now, A is articulation, articulating with confidence, using the right language. I was just doing a, I was doing a live stage just a couple of days ago in front of a corporate training. And I told them, I was like, what's the number one persuasive word in the world? And they're all like guessing all these different names. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's imagine. Imagine is the most powerful word because if I just asked you right now, uh, just imagine a blue sky with a nice, just nice puffy white cloud in it. Like your mind went right there. You're in alpha state now. I've already taken you into your first level of subconscious to picture that while you're even doing this podcast with me. <laughs> imagine, imagine is an incredible word that we need to utilize more in our day to day. The second word is because. The word because. Interesting enough, they did a study in, back in the 80s. And they had an office floor and a couple of these printers and, you know, photocopiers. There's about four of them. They removed all of them. They just kept one. So a huge lineup created. Okay. They had to keep lining up, lining up. So then they did a little psychological test. They sent somebody in to cut line, to cut the line. First, they, were, they, they, they just walked up and said, hey, I need to make some copies here. And they cut in line. I need to make copies. Then they went back into the same thing and said, I need to make copies because and actually gave the different answers. So what they realized from a cognitive standpoint is that the conscious mind needs reasoning. It needs reasoning to do an action. 82% increase 
it the second time just by using the word because to justify to the conscious mind that, oh, they're doing it for a reason because I'm getting late or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's so fascinating. I know. Really this is all fascinating stuff. Absolutely. And then the last R. The R, the last R is my favorite because after you've been able to read people's body language, organize your thoughts and emotions, articulate now with confidence and language patterns, the last R is the most powerful because it's representing with authenticity. So this is being able to now actually formulate a signature pitch, a way that you can connect with somebody. If it's at a cocktail party for two minutes or you're on a stage in 40 minutes or doing a 90 minute keynote. How do you organize, you know, you've noticed even in today's, you know, questions, I'm kind of going within my stories, I'm going with my intuition, I'm going with the flow that's happening. Yes, I know that there's, there's pre-programmed questions, but we're, we're going with the flow, we're energizing ourselves here. So that, that really is the, the authenticity piece, which is what everyone's chasing, but really it's the funniest thing about it is everyone wants to be authentic, but they all just need to realize the only way to be authentic is just to be you. So it's getting rid of the judgment, ego, and fear. And it's just it's quite simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. <laughs> so true. And I think that's a great transition to our next thought here. So the next question, we wanted to talk a little bit more about vulnerability. So, and that's often regarded as a powerful tool for connection. So how would you encourage individuals to embrace their vulnerability? Well, first and foremost, I will say, I think this is lacking in men more than anything. Okay. I feel I feel that women have a have a pretty pretty good 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 vibe on being able to you know call a girlfriend up or, or cry over some ice cream and and be able to actually deal with some of the emotions. I'm not saying that that's the only case, but I think it's just a huge problem for men right now. You know, Matt. Not to cut you off, but I was telling Alex before this call, I'm like, Jay is the perfect person to talk about vulnerability and connection and being a king. You're just <laughs> keep going because I want our audience well, to hear this too. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you for that. But I actually think there's a little bit of a shift going on, right? Like a lot of females are now embracing this really masculine energy, right? And, you know, you hear this term all over social media now, girl boss, and it's, it's this masculine energy. And actually there's a lot of men out there that I feel like are getting a lot more feminine. And so I want to hear your thoughts on that first, but we can get into that maybe a little bit more. And without, without getting too political, of course, and you know, <laughs> too, too intense, just because again, the world that we live in, I still have to be myself and I still have to show you the authenticity that I bring. And I'll tell you right now, I grew up in a traditional format. You know, my parents came from India. The tradition was there was a man, there's a woman, they make babies. Boom, I'm here. That's how I was created. That's how I'm going to move forward. One day I'm going to find a wife, I'm going to have babies. And that's just kind of, that's my direction of thinking, just to keep that just simple here. From that perspective, though, you start to understand, okay, masculinity. And we start to understand men and where the generation's going now and how people are starting to understand these emotions. And I'll tell you why I say it about men. It's a post that I saw on TikTok. And it was said, men are the only ones that are not unconditionally loved. And I was like, okay, let's, 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 let's learn a little bit more here. Well, look at babies, for example. Babies are unconditionally loved because they're new humans in the world. They're adorable, of course. Pets. Cats. You can't love babies. Or right? pets. <laughs> now pets, cats and dogs, they become a part of the family. They're literally children, in a sense. Unconditionally yep. loved. This is where it got interesting. Then it said women. And I was like, ooh, now you're going to poke some, poke some strings here. But, <laughs> But the response was, every man knows that he came from a woman and will always respect and love women. And I was like, ooh, you got me there too. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough. Men, 
Men are only unconditionally loved when they provide something. So I started to look into that a little bit deeper and I started to actually feel because of the way that us as humans started from man, woman, man goes out and hunts, woman takes care of home. That was the, our mindset has always been conditioned in a way to provide. So we have to provide money. We have to provide advice. We have to provide strength. That's why dads get a lot of pressure because it's like the whole household is kind of on your own head and you're like, Ooh, but at the end of the day, it's really not but it's that perception of how they've created that mindset now. That can be altered. And I think there's no such thing as 50-50. A couple should never be 50-50. I, I disagree with that completely. I think you need to make sure that you equal 100. There are days that my girl is not at 100. She's at 20. I have to be that 80. There's days that I'm at 20. She has to be that 80. We have to come together and figure out the best collaboration in some way. And when it comes to the vulnerability and the emotion side of things, this is where I feel men we're very easy to suppress it. Go back to the classic days where we would just, uh, just fight it out, beat each other up a little. Women, however, oh, that's a little conniving. That's a little, that's a mental game now. It's like, ooh, remember high school days? No, the women were a mental game. The boys would just fight each other. And be like, ah, whatever, it's all good, man. Let's go play. Let's go throw the football around again. It's because men are very one thought at a time. But what we do very wrong is that we suppress emotions so quickly and we don't know what that's actually doing to us. We keep bottling and pressuring and putting things that don't really actually need to even be there. And that creates our own atmosphere saying, oh, I'm a man or I need, to, I need to have a couple more drinks at the end of the night or get angry or do this. And that's an impulse. That's an impulse of not being a whole and complete with yourself. And that's why I really, really am an advocate. I do a, uh, what I call the lion's den. It's uh, every Thursday at 5.30. And it's, uh, it's, called, it, it's for brotherhood, blessings, and breakthroughs. That's what I call the triple B. And I jump on for an hour every Thursday, and it's an open call for men to just jump on to, to be vulnerable, to open up, to be able to share. I allow men to actually have a stage, a place that they can actually share their message and say, listen, man, my wife's driving me crazy, man. And the kids, <laughs> I don't know what these teenagers are doing. I just don't understand. Like, you know, That's okay, because we're not really given that space. And that also enhances their capability of truly being a gentleman. Because ladies, y'all are amazing. Like you're, you're the purpose that us men exist. This is what we need to understand. And when we understand that it's not about being feminine or being masculine, what it's about is respect. That's yeah. it. It's just respect. It's, it's, it's mutual respect, right? Wow. Yeah, that was an awesome response. I love that. I love how you are giving men that safe space though. I mean, there's not too many men out there that are willing to open up and be vulnerable and have these tough conversations. So you are, you know, making a huge difference in the world by doing that. So that's incredible. And that gives them a support system, right? So I think that's what, so I guess in society, that's what we're lacking, right? Men don't feel like they have a safe space to open up, they don't have that sense of community and women are more likely to find that. I would absolutely agree with that. And what is that coming from? That's coming from one word, it's labels. And that's the problem, right? Men men are in this world where like, I'm a straight man and if I feel like, oh, if I'm into this, if oh, they're gonna perceive me as gay now because I want to talk about my vulnerability of my mom. Like my mom, my mom doesn't have good health right now. And I'm like, that's my, my, my biggest pain point and emotional weakness for myself. Cause I know that day is gonna come one day I know that day is going to come and I'm mentally preparing myself. I'm like, why am I mentally preparing myself for something like I should just be enjoying more and more time. And I get into this old little thing. But at the end of the day, what is that actually doing for me? 
being able to express that and giving that vulnerability out allows other people to actually say, listen, man, like, I'm actually doing the same. That's why speakers have become such a, the most paid profession because the being relatable to your audience is number one, because you can impact people going back to uncage your roar. You can impact people with just your voice, just who you are, your experience can shape another human's life. You don't need to go and donate money or do any of that kind of stuff that everyone's talking about. Like I, I do this thing every time I go to the airports, I'll, I'll share this quick thing. Every time I go to the airport, I have to put 10 smiles on 10 faces. It's my goal. I just do, I, I don't care if it's the lady that's just at the counter where I got to just smile at her and she looks back or it's the person at the bar that I get into conversation with or the bartender that of course be, I'm very, very, I'm very sociable in that, in the, in the bar scene. So I'm always connecting. I'm always, you know, creating energy. I walk into a bar sometimes. I saw these three, I, I remember this, I was in Dallas airport. I walked in, there's three people and they're like, you know, all sophisticated. We're in the Delta lounge, you know, it's all private VIP and everything. Everyone's just very sophisticated, very proper, <laughs> you know, everyone's on their notebooks and on their laptops and everything. And I walk in, I'm like, hmm. Let's, let's enjoy. Have a conversation with the one lady, get into a little conversation. I use my tonality, my volume. I increase my volume. I see, oh, he's speaking his interest. We're talking about the teenagers at home, this, 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 this. Now open up. By the end of the 30 minute conversation, the four of us are talking about us being like the breakfast club. And I'm like, I haven't even seen the movie. And we're, we're just having this incredible conversation. We all got each other's numbers. We're like, yeah, they're like, you know, I wish this, the one guy, he said, he's a business executive. He's like, I wish my flight gets delayed so we can enjoy a little bit more. It's like, how do you business executive that was standing, sitting there, just like stuck up glasses on, he's just doing his work to a point where he's like, I wish my flight gets delayed. Yeah. Wow. You mean a big impact? That's energy. That's, that's the small things you can do to make the biggest differences in the world. So true. And you became the thermostat, not the thermometer in the room. You mm -hmm. changed. I like that. Yeah. I really like that one. So we talked a lot about fear before, but overcoming fear is such a common challenge for so many individuals. And so what are some practices and steps to help make that shift for individuals to, you know, overcome their fears and pretty much step into their full potential? I know we talked a lot about the three gatekeepers, but if you can go into a little more detail to help our audience, like be able to relinquish that fear and move forward to really step into their lion or lioness. Yeah. So think of it like a computer. You know, whether it's AI or what I call HI, human intelligence, because I think that's really what we need to bring back here. <laughs> Where everyone's talking about AI, artificial intelligence, I'm like, whoa, 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 let's not, let's not forget about the human intelligence here for a second, right? But really being able to understand your own human intelligence is the emotional resilience that you build over time. So how do you do it? How do you actually build emotional resilience? Because whether it's a fear, whether it's, you know, sadness or anger or anything like that, it's not about getting rid of it. You're not trying to get rid of the emotion, but think of it as in like, I use this with, with, uh, actually, yeah, this, is a, this is a good example. Think of it like somebody just walking into the room right now, just right here and just stands right here above me and then comes and sits on my head and, that, and that's anxiety. And they, they, they've named, they've named themselves anxiety and they're on top of my head right now. I'm like, this is really uncomfortable. This is super uncomfortable right now. Like I, I can't, I, I don't like this at the moment. Now, see, what I can do is I can not like it. I can be like, get off my head, get off my head. But what is a bully like? It's a bully. Bully likes a reaction. So the bully's just, she, he or she up there is just doing this, this thing on top of my head and bullying me. And if I give the reaction, they're going to love it. So how do I flip that now? I flip that by acknowledging. I flip that by acknowledging that the emotion is there. That's the first thing you need to do is understand when you feel it, give yourself permission. When we, especially going back to the masculinity topic is that when we get emotional, even as men, or even just as people, as humans, we get emotional, we think it's, it's wrong. Ever seen somebody fall on the ground in public? 
they don't care about how they feel. They care about getting up so nobody looks. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> Isn't that scary? Yeah, I never thought yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah. So true. So, so when we start to understand that human intelligence side of things and knowing that I got to acknowledge it, I got to understand, listen, this, this is, this is an emotion that I'm feeling. I'm feeling sadness right now. Like I cry in movies now because I give myself permission to do it. I'm not doing it because I'm like, no, I don't want anybody to see me. I'm like, no, you know, like that was a, that was a heartfelt moment. That's incredible. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm in the moment. I'm feeling it. I'm being there with it. And that, that acknowledgement is the first step. The second thing is you know, especially for the negative emotions, a trick that you can use, set a timer. Best thing that I've ever been able to do when I'm in an angry like state of mind, especially with anger, anger works the best. Look, set a timer, make it five, don't go more than 10 minutes, but five, 10 minutes, whatever it is, set a timer. In that time, do whatever makes you angry. Whatever you need to do to release yourself, jump up and down, scream, swear, blare, whatever, whatever you're going to do. But once that clock ticks, refocus, change your thought onto the next one. Now, this is not serving us. We know that for the long-term game, but we have acknowledged it. We've given ourselves permission to feel it. We've exercised it. Now it's like, okay, next thought. Let's go. Yeah. I love that that one. I'm going to have to use that. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't get angry too often, but even just if I'm in a negative place, you can use it for any of Yeah. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. So um, I, I guess changing a little bit of topics here, but when it comes to maximizing influence, what are some key principles or strategies that an individual should keep in mind to create a positive impact on others? Omnipresence. Hmm, that's a big one. This, this, is, this is incredible because it's in going back to Grant Cardone, who's actually taught me omnipresence, is just understanding that when I was sitting there in that marketing workshop and he was standing right in front of me and he just said that, that, that what I mentioned earlier, that post it nobody's gonna see it at the beginning i thought of it and i was like hmm yeah it kind of makes sense okay but then i really dove into that and i was like that makes so much sense because you remove judgment ego and fear you removed everything you don't care so the, the only way to maximize your influence it's not what you know it's who you know no it's not even that it's who knows you yes Mm-hmm. that's what it's about now that's the third level to that so now who knows you is the only way you're going to actually be able to do that is to get out there mm-hmm. whether it's public speaking whether it's social media now it's amazing we have tools and techniques like social media back in the day imagine what they were doing like i said back in grand state now no wonder it took him 30 years to do that we can do the same type of success as him within three just because of the difference 30 years versus three years because of the technology advantage we have to make a billion dollar infrastructure so true so it just comes down to maximizing your influence and that, 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 again, ability to know what you're actually talking about. See, for many years as a speaker, even for me, yes, I could talk about different topics. I could talk about business, finance, real estate. I, can't, I would talk to people, I would meet people at conferences. And, what do you do? I'm a real estate developer. I run it. Like you, 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 you said the bio. <laughs> like, I don't even know. That. Like, of course, that's all my credibility. But what is that really helping somebody do? Telling you that I'm a real estate developer and I've transacted multi-million dollar deals and I've done this, it's not going to help you. But if I say, hey, look, I help people master the way they think, speak, and connect. Have you ever felt lost in your own thoughts and you want to get connected with just the way you think? Maybe it's a speaking ability of connecting more on a stage or with your spouse. Maybe it's just connecting to build more true, authentic relationships. Well, that's what I can help you with. You know, that simplistic answer versus the whole resume portfolio 
nobody cares about the resume, but everyone thinks that the resume is important. They think that my credibility has to be there. I could tell you that I was a doctor from Canada and I'll tell you right now, y'all Americans would probably believe me. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you right now, not to put y'all, uh, not to call y'all out, but I can represent myself as anything that I want to be. Go to Las Vegas, try it. Go to Las Vegas, you can be anybody you want. You can right. be whoever you want. You can choose your character. If you believe that, people will <laughs> believe you. <laughs> so that just goes to show now in maximizing influence is yes, believing in yourself and having that real energy for yourself. But it's like, go out there and actually just show up. Like, go out there and do it. Like what y'all are doing on this podcast, you're showing up, you're doing it. You're getting your voice out there. You're getting your faces out there. That's all you have to do to maximize influence. Again, what we do is we try to create such a complex model because our brain needs to understand all this. It's like going, going to the, losing weight. It's a very simple process. It's the, one of the hardest things to do in the whole world. But the process is very simple. One, two, three. And we try to complicate everything. You're right. Go to the gym, eat healthy, and boom. Right, which we we talked about here as well. It's the lack of discipline and creating that really strong strong mentality because it does require everything you want to do and any goal you want to accomplish requires discipline. Yeah, that's very true. So last question, it's not even on our list, but I wanted to bring this up. So you are such a gentleman in the way that you treat women and the way you speak to, to everyone that you surround yourself with. So I feel like chivalry is kind of dying out and especially in America. And so what are some quick things you can teach our listeners? We have a lot of males that listen are things that they could do very simply just to be more of a gentleman and get back to that chivalrous, chivalrous mindset, if that's a word, I think. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love this one. This is, my, this is my favorite question, by the way. I want to just say that. And why I say that is because, you know, even chaining from a little bit what I said earlier, keep it simple. Where did we have to, where did we create this perception as men that we have to go out and, and buy these fancy necklaces and diamonds and vehicles? That's not what y'all women want. Like, yes, it's great. Don't get me wrong. A nice pair of Louboutins and all this stuff. Trust me, I love my Louboutins too. Like, I, I get it, right? I get that. But at the end of the day, no, what y'all want is just some simple things. Action to your word. That's the biggest thing. The only fights I've ever had in my relationship have been me saying that I committed to something and didn't do it. Point blank. That's the only fights I've ever had in my relationship. And it was on me. And I took self-reflection on that. I was like, oh, shit, that, that was my bad. And we worked through it. But doing the simple, small things, you know, it's crazy. Car doors, doors to restaurants, chair before your woman sits to eat dinner. Like the littlest things, but your woman will look at you and be like, you know, my man's taking care of me. You don't need to buy me a fancy house. But the fact that you pulled out my chair and made sure that I was sitting good before we get to eat our meal together, that's that's the heart right there. That's what you got to work with. There's a lot of these unwritten rules, uh, I feel like, that people of our generation, which obviously we're not like dinosaurs here, but we still know, you know, like, uh, like walking with your partner and he walks on the left side of the road. I don't think a lot of kids growing up nowadays just know a lot of these unwritten rules. And it's just, you know, as it is our fault for not passing them down. It's a lot of these things that are supposed to be kind of, um, you know, thought by fathers to their sons and even mothers teaching their daughters how they should demand that they are treated and respected by or or by their, you know, significant other in the relationship. So that's a really big one. Yeah. It's all these unwritten rules that I think we're kind of forgetting about so 
And what, what's great about that point is like the generation gap, you know, my company's next gen, I run the next gen group of companies and next gen was always the word that stuck out the most to me because yes, it's the next gen. Like I'm doing this for my next generation. That's why I'm doing everything I do today is to build my next gen, my why. But the next gen also means bridging the generational gap. You see our, our generation, we're right in the middle. We got to be born with the traditional foundation but then we got technology when we were at a pretty decent age and we got to kind of quit it. But we weren't born with technology. We weren't born with cell phones in our hands at two years old, going like this, swiping on things and knowing, you know, I, I saw one of my friends, his son, his son's about three years old or something like that. He's looking at claim, how to create claymation videos on YouTube. Not even just watching the claymation, how to create the claymation. I'm like, Three years old. So yes, their advanced reach on technology and right. being fast and quick is incredible. Like I, I have a couple of these mentees now and they're fast, they're quick, they're incredible. But the thing is that that traditional foundation is why we are the greatest leaders. You know, I always talk about generation Y, they abolished us, the like generation Y. Technically speaking, it was from an age uh, or a, a, what was it? 1980, 1984 to 1996. That was an age group of generation Y that they abolished now as millennials and Gen Zs and all this kind of stuff. But between that age range, that was a very, very integral generation where we actually did understand the traditional vibes. Like I said, we've got technology in our hands and we will now take over from the baby boomers and actually create the world of tomorrow. But the only way we do that is making sure that we can communicate well with the young ones. So that's why even when I'm teaching my young guy, my, you know, he's, he's 18 now, when I'm teaching him things like this, like chivalry, like, like respecting, you know, saying, excuse me. It was the first time we went for dinner and we were, and, and, and I, I was working with him and I wanted to see if he caught on with it, but I was walking away from the dinner table and I, I folded my napkin and I said, excuse me. And I walked away and he noticed that. And then when I came back, he was about to go and he was kind of like iffy about it. Like, Oh, should I say it? Should I not? And I was like, Hey Gus, let me, let me just share something. You, you are able to do it, bro. I, I, you're, you're right. And he's like, yo, how did you know what I was thinking, Matt? And I was like, exactly. <laughs> he's like, I just wanted to say, excuse me. And he like folds it up and he puts it there and he walks out. And I was like, there you go. Guys are so cute. Forget me more than anything. I love what you're teaching him. I see like all your videos and posts and I see his as well. And you're just making a huge profound difference in his life. And it's just amazing to see that. And that's what the Academy was born, right? The Academy was born for now my give back, right? I want to, I want to do a pledge and maybe it's going to be an exclusive for you all now because I, I'm going to announce this, but I am going to do an Academy pledge next year in 2024, where it's going to be one US dollar for all developing countries to be a part of learning about all the education about business technology and psychology and communication specifically. So for all those around the world now that want to you know, come together in a group now for a very, very minimal cost, we'll be able to learn the most profound education. That's amazing. Congratulations. I know. That's so the next gen. You know, they deserve it. <laughs> so true. Well, for our followers, where can they find you? I know you have Instagram, you have a website. Can you give us a little info on that? Absolutely. So uh, number one way is, of course, all social media platforms at Jay Dahan, of course. But most importantly, if you just go to uncageyourroar.com. If you want to, if you, if you like the things that I've been talking about and you want to get that roar out and you want to be able to uncage that mindset so that you can articulate with, with everything that I talked about, confidence, power, poise, presence, 
then uncageyourroar.com. And I have a free ebook that I also want to give to all viewers and listeners as well, too. So you're more than welcome to go in there and get that free copy. It's about a 25 page read. It really helps you decode body language, how to maximize your influence and overcome that fear. Amazing. We'll link that in the show notes, but thank you so much for coming on to all our listeners. We're sending you so much love and light and remember to share, like, and comment on how you liked this episode. I know this one's going to go viral. It's incredible. This was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate you.